0: everyone. Welcome back to, should I call a therapist? I'm Jane Margaret. So I've told you a little bit about, um, in the last episode, I was talking about a brick from our house and I don't think I've explained what happened to our house. It's wild. So my parents purchased the home from Mr. Allen in 1969. And I, I think I've already told you before, but I'll say it again. Um, it was owner carry. So he carried the mortgage, and they made the payment to him every single month. And I think I've also told you all that. For a while there, it was getting to be where every month on, you know, the 10th or the 15th, or I have no idea, maybe it was even the 5th, Mr. Allen would call our house looking for the payment. It always happened. He always got paid, all that good stuff. So anyway, years go by, and I I don't know when this happened, but at some point... They refinanced the house to then be at a real bank. Maybe Mr. Allen asked them to. Maybe they were, you know, tired of the high interest rate, whatever it was. But it did help them get into the house when they had, you know, no no other um, option. And they were home. Just like I've said before, I'm a homeowner. They are a homeowners. They are people that own their home. And it was so funny because... They probably could have bought a house in another neighborhood for less money and been, you know, probably where they belong, if that makes sense. But they knew, my dad knew, we at this point have two children and we need to have them in a fantastic school district. So... I'm going, he, he had it in his mind. I'm going to live in Alamo Heights. I'm going to raise my children there. They need to go to those, to those schools, to the elementary school, middle school, high school. And that's what we're going to do. So my mom said, Oh, we can move out here. We can move out there. And my dad's like, I don't move out anywhere. I don't live out. I'm not doing that. I am living in this neighborhood. So they found this house, they got it in 1969, 725 Patterson. And that is where we lived. We lived there all the way, they sold it in 2006. They sold their house, yeah, in uh, 2006. It was on the market for more than nine months. And um, when it was on the market, they used one of my dad's customers, Phyllis Browning. And she said, Oh, I can link you to an associate and they'll be able to handle it. And my dad said, no, you're going to list the house. Oh, okay. Well, I don't, you know, I'm, I'm kind of handing those projects off. I do some things, but not 350,000. My dad said, well, you're going to do this one. Okay. So then a few, um, he also refused (laughs) He reviewed, he called all the shots the way that, I mean, I'm in the business, and if a a seller was calling all the shots the way that my dad did with me, I would have fired him as a client a long time ago. But she loved my dad, he loved her, and she did it his way. So he said, I don't want the tax assessor, in um, Texas, the property taxes are really high. There's no state income tax, so then the property taxes are super high. So he said, I don't want the tax assessor to see how much we're asking for the house. Every year, my mom had gone down to the tax assessor and blinked those beautiful eyes and gave her story about how the home is not improved. The home, there's not, I mean, we, we don't have this, we don't have that. No, uh, there's no sprinkler system. We don't have this. Yes. It's a lovely block and yes, it's a great address, but our house is not. So please don't, um, please don't, uh, raise our taxes. And so every year she, you know, or every year that they would come out with a new assessment, she would go down and contest it, and she always got her way. So my dad didn't want all of that hard work to be undone by the tax assessor seeing, oh, these people want $350,000? We have it, we have it valued at 100000 So anyway, he um, asked for no sign in the yard and no MLS. Well, if you know anything about real estate... You know that MLS is what sells a house. So this poor Phyllis Browning, who is, I mean, extremely successful and extremely regarded in the area, she had to take this listing, never put it in MLS. Maybe that did her a favor. (laughs) It was never going to sell, but also there was no sign in the yard, so it didn't even. No one said, "God, that one's not selling," because they wouldn't allow a sign in the yard. So maybe that worked to her advantage. (laughs) I don't know. But anyway, he, he, apparently he knew better than she did. So then every couple months she, and she was in his, she was in his chair, you know, to get her hair done, um, regularly. So I, I don't know if they saw each other once a week or once every two weeks, or I don't, I'm not positive how often they saw each other, but every, every couple months she would say of the nine months, she would say, you know, On Ogden Street, which is probably seven blocks away, on Ogden Street, this house sold for $275. And they have this, this, this amenities for the house. Your house does not have that. So I wonder if, since it's not selling, if we're overpriced. I don't care. I don't, his response was always, I don't care. Not my problem. I am, this is my price this is how much I'm selling it for. In fact, you know what, now that you say it that way, maybe we should raise the price. She's like, well, we're not going to raise the price. And throughout this whole conversation with her in 2006, he's speaking to me in Denver and saying, what do you think? You're in the business. What do you think? What should I do? And I'm like, she's crazy to have you as a customer, you know, as a client, as a seller. And I'm not saying that you have to reduce the house because she is comparing it. I mean, Ogden Street is not Patterson, so I would not, I understand that she's trying to move the house, so I wouldn't necessarily take her advice on that. I know what she's doing, but at the same time, be a little nice to her. You don't have to be rude. Anyway, they nine months go by, they'd have open houses. People would come through. If there was a showing, my dad would go outside and sit on the curb, but like across the street. But, I mean, people are smart. They knew that was him. But, anyway, he would be there, but never inside the house. And they'd have, you know, random things. The, the broker's open. They'd come do, like, a caravan through the, through the house, all that. And people thought it was lovely. But at the same time, nobody wanted to pay 350000 in In 2006, that was a lot of money, and especially for a dump. So, I mean, it was a complete tear down. So, it was a very big lot. So, they did have that. They had a great address, but it was a tear down. So, $350 for a teardown is a lot of money. Today, it's not, but then it was. That was the beginning. And if you think about it, that was the height of the market for that time. Because then 2008 is the beginning of the recession. 2008, 2009. So... In 2006, they were at the high, 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 and people were thinking, you know, this is going to come crashing down anytime soon. Everyone always says that, but this is going to crash down very soon, and I'm going to wait for it to drop. I don't want to pay the highest prices, you know, all that stuff. That that was all the feedback that Phyllis was receiving. But my dad just kept on, and my mother just kept going to work and complete, um, not disbelief, whatever that's called, avoidance of the truth in that the house could possibly sell. One day the house goes under contract and Phyllis calls and says, guess what? We got an offer, an associate in my office, um, had a buyer and they're very interested in the house and they wanted to sell it. And my mother said, well, can we just change our minds? I don't want to move. I don't want to sell. And I think the idea of listing the house sounded fun to her. But then the reality of having to move and having to, I mean, uproot her life. 1969 to 2006 is a long time to live in one house. The same phone number, the same everything. It was her same route. I mean, I move a lot. So my husband and I have now moved three times since we've been together and we've only been to, we've only owned houses together since 2017. So, we move quite a bit. I'm somewhat used to it and yet it's still daunting to me. But imagine this lady living in this house since 1969. She raised all three kids there and now they're all gone. They all have moved into their own, you know, lives and two of them are out of state and one's in Houston. And we come home to visit, we've had our Christmases there. Um, grandparents have always come over there, you know, all of it. It was just such a habit. So I can imagine what that felt like. But it was also absurd to say, Can we change our minds? You're the ones that listed that you had it for sale. You had the opportunity to cancel, you never did cancel. So anyway, they signed the agreement and my dad is like, sign it quick. And there was no inspection because there was nothing to inspect. Like I said, it was a teardown. So um there were really no um, uh, concessions or, you know, no, not concessions. There were no um, constraints to the, oh, and I think they were even paying cash. So, I mean, there were really, there was nothing to do except wait for closing. So they gave them 30 days and it was in the summer. I remember that because it was right around 4th of July and the man who was purchasing the home, the investor he was taking his children to camp and so he needed to get to camp and my dad's was and so they went to change the closing date at the 11th hour and i mean my parents had been waiting and waiting and waiting for that money cuz now we've made arrangements they're moving downtown um everything's been done we know where the piano's going they were getting a storage unit to send some of their things and, um, all of this has taken 30 days to arrange, but it's all very well orchestrated. So the movers are coming, you know, all that. And, um, the man says, I really need to take my kids to camp. I can't close that day. And my dad said, "Over oh, my dead body, do you change this? Well, somehow it did get changed and he was furious, but and he kept calling it a glitch. There's a glitch. There's always a glitch. There's always a glitch. So, Anyway, they um, get to closing, get their money, put it in the bank. Everything's good. The man, then the neighborhood where they live is called Alamo Heights. And Alamo Heights, especially during this time, was having a real um, kind of a division over new and old. And the people with old... Um, were adamant that they didn't want any more mech mansions. And the people knew, were like, well, this house is completely functionally obsolete and it can't st- stand here like this. I'd have to knock it down just to have a viable living situation. So in, in 2006, for how much I just paid for this lot and how much I'm going to have to put into it for, reflects then the price I'm going to have to sell it for. Meaning that I need to earn a living. I have to make a profit here, so they um uh, go and he has to the the investor then has to meet with all of city council and with the board and with the this and the that and the design committee and jump through all these hoops to get his plans approved and is taking forever. So he is sitting on this and, and he paid cash. So there isn't a loan and you know all that. But at the same time, he time is money and he wants his investment back and he needs a return on his investment. So he goes um, 12 months and gets everything approved, gets it all done. And someone comes along in t- 2007, almost one year to the day, and they paid him a hundred thousand dollars more than he did, so he paid three fifty for the home, and they paid four fifty for the home and Then that person negotiated this is wild that person found a architect and his wife or her wife that lived several streets over I think it was nine streets over on Corona Street. And that person wanted had an empty lot. They owned a house and it had an empty lot next to it. They wanted my parents' house to move over to that street on Corona Street. And they were going to remodel it and bring it up and then have their elderly parent, I don't know whose, but the, one of them had an elderly parent and then the elderly parent could live in the house in my old house on their lot because what was happening was the city in that year had a, then a moratorium on tearing down old structures they didn't mind if you improved them and they didn't mind if you blew the back out or if you you know popped the top and um, have a second story or any of that thing. They didn't mind that, but they wanted the facade of the original dwelling to be intact. The workaround was if you moved in this case, I think this was the only case where it happened in the neighborhood. If they moved the dwelling to a different, you know, to a subsequent address, then that was almost a workaround to the rule what had happened was our house was one of three original houses of the neighborhood it was built in 1917 and even tour buses would come and see our house we always had tour buses from downtown come to the outside of our house and sit and look because it was an original dwelling of the neighborhood so it was protected by the, you know, design committee, and so then the workaround was to, I just can't believe it, was to move it, so they cut the house in half, put it on those trucks, you've seen where they move the house, I've seen it before, they moved downtown in San Antonio, they moved to the Fairmont Hotel, uh, from right by the Alamo, over to, um, I think it's Market Street. They moved it down the street. No, it wasn't by the... Anyway, I don't know where it was, but we watched it move. They put it on a truck and drove it down the street. That is what they did with my childhood home. They cut it in half, put it on two trucks, got the permits, and drove it nine blocks to the new lot. So today, my original house, our original house that I grew up in sits on Corona street when the original street was Patterson and it looks very similar. We used to go by all the time. I mean, we'd exhaust any person that came to visit us. If Kate brought Tracy, if, if I brought Bryce and I mean, even my first husband, I mean, we it exhausted anybody that came to San Antonio to visit. We'd have to take them by our exact address that we grew up, which then was a Mac Mansion, to the original house, which is now on Corona Street, and it's two houses west of Imlay. I don't know the address, but two houses west of Imlay on Corona Street. They did a really nice job. Like I said, they were architects, so they knew how to maintain the design features and then bring it up to that that year I, I think it was completed in 2008 so it was very i'm sure inside was gorgeous and and completely up to date and then the outside original frame facade it didn't on our lot where we grew up it sat real high on the lot real high and we had a huge front porch and that's where we spent our fourth of July's watching the parade go down the street and all of that lots of memories on the front porch eating dinners and all of that. The front porch is still there, but it doesn't sit as high on the lot because the lot is more flat. But it's it's amazing to go visit, and and what a weird deal. And then it was in the paper. It was it, it was in the paper. There are photos. My parents have it. Fr- I think my sister gave my parents a frame. She might have orchestrated it, and we it came from all three of us. She had that article framed, and. um It's up in their apartment right now. Just wild. I mean, imagine. I wish I had gone. Now, in retrospect, I wish I had gone to see it move down the street. I wish I had been there to witness it. Because I've only heard about it, and I was in Denver. I, I really do wish I had gotten to go see that. I can't even imagine what it would have been like. Number one, just watch them cut the house in half. They completely cut it in half and then put the two halves on two trucks. And then drove them down, and then somehow move you know um, sizzle, sizzled it back together with the the you know miracles of construction. Just amazing. And what a cool workaround for that guy that uh, the first investor to then buy buy that lot and then sell it, make a hundred thousand dollars in one year and sell it to the next investor and the next investor come up with this fabulous plan. Uh, the first investor, I, I think what happened was, I think the first investor was never able to work with the city. They could not put a plan together that the city would approve, and they got frustrated. The next person had this all lined up with the architect, and he gave them the house. So the actual structure was free to the, to the architect for it to go on the new lot. The architect had to pay the moving... Costs to move the house, get the permits for the street closures, and have that whole process happen, which couldn't have been free. However, it wasn't the cro- the price of buying the actual lot and moving the house. So anyway, everybody wins in the end. Mac there, and our house goes on to live another day. Anyway, wild. I hope you guys enjoyed that little tale. Kind of fun. And I hope you're having a fabulous, uh, fabulous December. hope everything is going smooth for you. We're just cruising right along. I can't believe the date. It is absolutely amazing to me how fast time flies. But I, uh, again, I hope all you guys are doing well. And we will chat soon. Take care, guys. Bye.